Hi, welcome to this Bearing Point podcast entitled Service-Oriented Architecture, Organizing for Success. I'm Paul Lancor with podtech.net. And we have Stephen Kahn with us on the line. He's the senior manager with Bearing Point's commercial services business systems integration practice. Steve's been with Bearing Point for over nine years. He's a leader in the service-oriented architecture and business process management solutions. Steve's also been involved in systems development for 36 years and has 14 years of experience as an enterprise architect. Steve, thanks for being with us today. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And first off, Bearing Point has collaborated with a number of SOA product vendors on a recently published book entitled An Implementer's Guide to Service-Oriented Architecture, Getting It Right. I wonder if you could tell us about that. Yes, it's just recently released. We contributed Chapter 6 in the book, which is called Organizing for Success. It focuses on the organizational issues and approaches that we believe clients need to address to be successful in delivering SOA. We discuss a number of important topics in there. We list a number of key SOA success factors. We describe a SOA maturity model that helps IT align its efforts with business goals and objectives. We talk about how to lay the organizational groundwork for getting started. We identify some key groups within IT that need to exist and need to contribute to the effort. We talk about what it takes to create a proper service delivery model, how to create and manage a SOA roadmap, and finally, how to align the project delivery process to support SOA. Now, we hear mostly about SOA technology. Bearing Point's chapter focuses on organization more. How important is organization compared to the technology? Well, you know, the technology is great. We work with all the major SOA technology vendors, and we understand their products well. But technology-first approaches to SOA have a much higher likelihood of failure. We've said for a long time that technology should not drive your approach because the most likely outcome of that is just the replacement of one technology with another with no business value. And that's not what SOA is about. That doesn't deliver on the promise of SOA. The promise of SOA is about driving business value and agility by delivering reusable, business-relevant services. And this is not just sales talk. At Bearing Point, we believe that these are the true measures of success. We believe that when IT is successful by this definition of SOA, that IT becomes a partner with the business and driving competitive advantage and innovation. So that's why we focus on business-driven solutions, and we believe that you have to be organizationally aligned to do this, to deliver on those promises. So from an organizational perspective, what is the most important SOA success factor? We don't, no question, no matter how well thought out your SOA strategy is, you need to have an enterprise architecture function in the IT organization to enforce that strategy by establishing SOA standards and guidelines. However, we're not talking about just the traditional architecture standards activities. We have often seen enterprise architecture groups that aspire to create technology purity or homogeneity to have all integration use a single technology. Not only is that nearly impossible to attain and costly to attempt, it isn't even desirable. It can disqualify useful commercial off-the-shelf software products that might give great benefit to the business, and it promotes vendor lock-in, which can be a disadvantage in the long term resulting in missed opportunities. SOA is an architecture that enables disparate technologies to be integrated, just about any technology out there, through standards-based integration. In SOA, when you reuse a service, you don't worry about the technology stack used to provide it. This is especially true in B2B integration, which often is a major driver of SOA efforts. This also enables companies to leverage investments in legacy systems. If they provide value to the business, Reusing their capabilities as services instead of replacing them is the more cost-effective and agile approach. 
And once a service-based layer is in place around legacy applications, when that time comes to replace them, the service layer insulates the rest of the architecture from those changes, making it a much less painful effort. So it sounds like a critical factor is that the enterprise architecture group needs to understand the technology. What else do they need to know? Well, you're right about that. The enterprise architects have to understand how to apply the technology. However, it is equally important that they focus on the task of working with the business to identify the right goals, objectives, and priorities. They need to define a services architecture, which is derived from business process decomposition. In other words, they need to be able to capture business process definitions to drill down those processes to discover reusable business services. Then they need to work from the bottom up to align lower-level technology and information-based services to the higher-level business services. They need to be comfortable with the language of business, but also be able to translate it to the technology and be able to provide technical leadership. For many enterprise architecture groups, this combination of skills will be a stretch because, let's face it, this is not an ivory tower exercise. This is about being in the middle of delivering business solutions, about having skin in the game in terms of success or failure. This wider scope of capabilities in the traditional enterprise architecture function is why we sometimes call this a SOA center of excellence, to distinguish the fact that the skill sets required are more broad and meant to have more of an impact to the organization. So what is the role of the PMO, the Project Management Office? A very important part of the picture. SOA brings some new wrinkles to the PMO function. In the past, the PMO was usually in a position of managing development by IT groups that were tightly aligned to the specific sponsoring business organization. With SOA, the focus is on solutions that cross departmental and business unit boundaries. This means many more stakeholders and interested parties for a particular service or set of services. It actually changes the focus of the PMO to resemble more of a program and portfolio-oriented focus instead of simply a project-oriented one. The PMO must also enforce the changes to the software delivery lifecycle that are required by the service delivery model, which we talk about in the book. For instance, the PMO must ensure that each project creates, works, and delivers to a service reuse plan. That plan lists the reusable services that will be created by the project those for which they will be the service producer, what their rationale is, what effort in terms of analysis, design, development, and testing will be performed to make them reusable. It also details which existing service that the project will reuse, the services for which they'll be the service consumer. There's also good news here for the PMO. When you're delivering composite services to production instead of monolithic applications, the project cycles are shorter, so it lowers the risk of missed deadlines. And delivering services to the business in quicker cycles brings agility. Also, in the past, we would see large programs consisting of individual projects with schedules that were tightly coupled to each other. And a delay in one project would delay the other projects, which could compound in another, and so on, and so on, eventually leading to those painful death march scenarios. An architecture of loosely coupled SOA-based interfaces results in loosely coupled project schedules. Service producers can deliver at any time before service consumers come along and then move on to the next set of priorities. Service consumers shorten their project cycles by taking advantage of reusable, already tested services and doing less development and less retesting of their own. Now, in the book, you mentioned the need to have an appropriate funding model for SOA. How do IT funding models impact the ability to be successful in SOA? 
having an IT funding model that does not accommodate the ability to fund efforts that deliver benefits across the enterprise as opposed to a single organization can absolutely kill any chance of success. Even before SOA came along, we saw many companies struggle to allocate funding for cross-departmental or cross-enterprise efforts. Any situation where the cost of development is borne by a single group, but the benefit is gained by others, well, that just becomes a source of internal conflicts, and that can doom a SOA effort even before it gets out of the gate. This is where the portfolio-based approach, we think, is a better approach to funding SOA efforts. A service-based architecture changes the concept of what it is you build and deliver. Along with that comes a change to the concept of system ownership. The funding model must keep pace with those changing concepts. So if the funding model changes, does the benefit model change as well? Absolutely. For a service to be truly reusable, it must meet the needs of a wide variety of potential consumers. And that doesn't happen by accident. It has to be treated as a requirement. It has to go through analysis, design, construction, and testing. You have to be able to fund this time and the effort that it takes to look beyond the needs of the service producers to the needs of all potential service consumers. For this reason, SOA imposes additional upfront costs. The payback and the benefit comes from the reuse of those ser- by those service consumers. The business benefits derive from gains in agility, reduced time to market, cost containment, and ultimately, strategic focus of solutions. And if SOA is done right, all of these benefits are gained by the enterprise as a whole. So the ability to roll out a new product or enter a new market more quickly, to be able to cost-effectively integrate with outside partners to reach new customers, or to eliminate duplicated systems and capabilities to reduce the cost of maintenance. So how does an enterprise get started? Well, first, the priorities of the business must be understood. What are the strategic goals and objectives of the company? What are the pain points? What are the opportunities to deliver business benefits? Second, whatever opportunity you choose to undertake, whatever business problem you choose to solve, understand the business process exists within. Then decompose the process and identify the services that exist within it. Chances are that part of this process occur in other areas of the company or have capabilities in common with them. These will will be where the reuse opportunities are. So this is where the challenge to create reusability will be as well. Equally important, though, in parallel with these efforts are the organizational requirements we talked about earlier. Most IT organizations will face challenges in switching to the SOA model. It's a good idea to perform a self-assessment of your capabilities to assess where your IT organization's strengths and weaknesses are. Bearing Point has a SOA assessment tool, which we have delivered successfully to many clients, and it can be performed in a day or two. From there, create new or enhance your existing capabilities, whether in enterprise architecture, PMO, funding models, or the software development lifecycle, seek training where needed. And finally, instill within these groups a focus on enterprise-wide approaches and enterprise-wide benefits. And if our listeners are interested in getting more information or reading the book, where would you suggest they go? They can go to www.bearingpoint.com SOA, and they can see uh, information on our SOA offerings as well as uh, a link to the book. Great. Well, Steve, thank you very much for taking time out today and talking to us about service-oriented architecture. Thank you. Stephen Kahn is a senior manager with Bearing Point.